When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, what's up? This is Sully from Godsmack. Strap on those boots, baby, because you are now in the trenches of the war room with the one and only Mistress Carrie right here on the Mistress Carrie podcast. What's up? This is Joe Rogan, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. I have so lovely pretty eyes. Hey, this is Brent from Shinedown, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hey, Carrie, go put your brow on, girl. Hey, this is Steven Tyler, and you'll be listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. What's up? This is Aaron from Stan. And you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hi, everybody. This is Dave Grohl from the Food Fighters, and you're listening to the one, the only, Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is David from the Band Disturbed, and you're listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. Hi, Bruce Dickinson here from Iron Maiden. Yes, indeed. Miss Whiplash herself, Mrs. Carrie, is here to um, unchain your brain. Hi, this is Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. You're listening to Mistress Carrie. This is Dennis Leary. You are listening to my favorite, Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is Corey from Stone Sour, and you're listening to. You have the privilege of listening to Mr. Scary. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Hey, it's Mistress Carrie, reporting for duty from MCHQ for episode 192 of the Mistress Carrie podcast. And before we get to this week's guest, Sebastian Bach, I just want to remind you about all of the info you can find at mistresscarrie.com. You can check out every episode of the Mistress Carrie podcast and every sit rep, every episode of my video show, Cocktails in the War Room. You can check out the concert and events calendar to keep you up to date with everything going on in New England. Get the links to all my socials. Send me a message right here in the studio. And you can grab your official Mistress Carrie gear in the online Mistress Carrie store. Find all that and more at mistresscarrie.com. Sebastian Bach is getting ready to release a new solo album. His new song is out right now called What Do I Got to Lose that was co-written by Miles Kennedy from Alter Bridge and Slash featuring Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators. I caught up with Sebastian Bach from his home in Vegas surrounded by vinyl just after he was inducted into the Heavy Metal Hall of Fame by Wendy Dio. There's probably more giggling in this episode than there has been in any other episode thus far. But that's what you get with Sebastian Bach. So allow me to introduce you to the one and only Sebastian Bach. Mr. Sebastian Bach, good morning. Hello, I got my reading glasses on. Okay, now I don't. <laughs> it's like, here, I'm Clark Kent. I'm Superman. <laughs> glasses are cool now. Oh, well, I don't care whether they're cool or not. Um, I have to, I can't really see that good without them. That's just (laughs) the way it is. You had to uh, tell me to hold on because you wanted to go get your coffee. Uh, I've got mine right here. Cheers to you. Cheers. What does yours cup say? Uh, Military wife. Mine just says wifey. (laughs) 
I think it's hilarious that our mugs uh, match. Yeah, I know, right? How do you like your coffee? You just take it straight black? Yeah, yeah. Got to fit in those tight leather pants with all the zippers all over them. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me, man. Are you home right now? I am indeed. I am indeed at home. Yes. Yeah. It's been a very, very busy start to 2024. Um, Just last night, I was inducted to the rock and roll or metal hall of fame. Um, You were inducted by Wendy Dio, right? I know. And that really was an honor and it made me feel like it really was the, uh, you know, like a medal honor definitely coming from Wendy. I'm sorry, I'm just getting my shit together here. Yeah, no, no, you're um, So that was really fun. And I, I've spent all month now, I've spent all month driving myself and everyone around me crazy, uh, perfecting and finalizing the artwork on my new album. And this packaging is elaborate it's very incredible i don't know if i'm it's just it's just every because i'm a vinyl collector myself so i see the big crate of them behind you i have rooms of vinyl um but i don't want to mess with my camera right now (laughs) but anyways my new record company rpm records has allowed me to indulge in my whole creative process like never before, as far as the artwork of the vinyl, which is, of course, a double gatefold sleeve, you know, and all that. And um, then also the CD packaging is complete, is quite a bit different than the vinyl packaging on this album to the point where the CD has a 24 page booklet and that's a lot of pages. And I had to like make it exactly the way I want it. And and they let me do that. And, and I can, and when you see what's coming out packaging wise and different options of what you can get, you know, depending on what you want and everything, it's just, it's like a, it's like for me being in a vinyl Disneyland or something. <laughs> They're like, Sebastian, here's all your options, like 500 options. Like, what do you, what do you want to do? And I'm like, oh my, I'm like, oh, this is incredible. Like, cause for me, I, I, if I get in a rotten mood or something, the first thing I'll do is get in my car and go to a record store. And I, you know, when I see these memes on Instagram, do you remember the days of buying records? If so, you're old. I'm like, I live in Las Vegas. There's 15 record stores that I can think of that I could drive to right now. Um, So maybe it's not like that in other um, cities, but when I go on tour, around the world when i got a day off i will get on my phone and i will go on yelp and i'll say vinyl record store it doesn't matter whether it's belgium or uruguay or argentina i always find one and me and my brent my guitar player 
who's also a vital pipe there, we're like, okay, man, I'll meet you down in the lobby. Tubia, we'll be there. <laughs> That's what we do. So I think if you look around, you, you will find a, a record store near you. I don't think those days are over at all. I think they're just begun, actually. <laughs> so tell me the holy grail of vinyl. What are you in search of? What's your white whale? Oh, man. Well, I've I've been collecting so long, I, <laughs> I have pretty much everything. Like, uh, I do. I, I, I... I um I have this I have this app named uh Discogs where which keeps track of, of my collection. So when I go into the store, I don't buy like the fifth copy or the sixth copy or something like that. I have 17 copies of Kiss Alive. <laughs> because the reason is there's something called hot pressings. And if you Google this, um You'll read about it. And that's just looking for the best, hottest version of that particular record. And that leads me to my next subject, which is my new album. Because as a vinyl collector, I've learned that the best mastering engineer of all time is a guy by the name of Robert Ludwig, who did Led Zeppelin II, Kiss Alive, Steely Dan, The Eagles, Metallica, The Black Album reissue, Alice in Chains reissue, the new Tool record. So I, as a record collector, when I see his name on an album, I buy it because I know his standard of sound makes my system sound like, I can't believe it's not butter. Like... And so my new album. <laughs> I love that you're cracking yourself up. This makes me, it, I, my new album, my new song, What Do I Got to Lose is produced by the incredible Michael Elvis Basquette. And it's mastered by Robert Ludwig, who mastered <laughs> Kiss Alive. <laughs> like I can't, I can't even, I can't even. I can't believe it. Like the reason that happened is because when I lived in Studio City, my neighbor was Adam Jones from Tool. And I'm a Tool fan, but I'm an even better personal buddy of Adam because we both had little kids. We hung out all the time. I used to go swimming in his pool. He would come over to my house and listen to vinyl records. He loved the old Van Halen records. But when I got his new album, the new Tool record, I turned it over just like I do at the record store. I go, who who did this? He said, mastered by Robert Luger. I go, get the fuck. I go, that's not the same guy from Led Zeppelin. He goes, yes, it is. And he's 80 something years old and he still does albums. And I go, I cannot believe that the guy that did Led Zeppelin 2 did the new Tool record. And that Nobody talks about this guy like that. Talk about a career in the music industry. So I told my record company, you guys want to make me happy. Let that guy master my album and you can hear it for yourself. The album was recorded by Elvis on a 1974 Neve console that Queen recorded on 
and um, lots of old bands from the 70s, and it's the same board from then. You can hear it. You can hear Elvis's expertise, and then you can also hear Robert Ludwig's expertise. It's all going together into What Do I Got to Lose, which is the first song I've ever had on American radio in my solo band. I've had one song on the radio in South America in my solo band, but this is the first one on that's getting played on the radio. So thank you all. Like, And you co-wrote that with Miles Kennedy, right? I did, yeah, yeah. Because Elvis, of course, produces Alter Bridge, Miles Kennedy and I came, we lived in Orlando uh, recording the record where the, all those other records were recorded. And when I got there, uh, Mark Tremonti wanted to come down and help out. And, 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 um, and Miles Kennedy said to Elvis, would Sebastian want to hear some of my ideas and demos? I go, of course I would. So uh, just the same way, you know, as as uh, I've always done, I'm a singer and I'm always looking for a good song. And this is one of two songs on the record that I co-wrote with Miles Kennedy. So there's another whole song, if you like this one. <laughs> Miles is a lead singer that is probably the most protective of his voice, I think, of any singer I've ever had on the show. He is militant with protecting his voice. Right. Are you that way too, or are you the whole other way of just, I want it to sound as rock as possible, because you got a little gra gravelly in there. Well, that's the production side of it. Like, Elvis loves my rough voice, and he's... Because I... As I get older, I always try to sing as clean as possible. And Elvis goes, no, no. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, I want the Sebastian that I have been listening to my whole life. So, <laughs> yeah, there's there's some hellacious screaming on this album. I'm, I'm not, I'm telling you, if you like the full-on scream range that I have, you're going to have it on your album uh, coming very, very, very soon. When is it and coming out? You keep hinting to it. It's coming sooner than you think. Just sooner tell than me. You think. I, I don't know if I can say that. I don't, because <laughs> I'm always under like direction of this is happening at this time. This is, but I'm glad because they know how to do this. I, it's too overwhelming for me. I need help. I need a team and I got it. Thank you. Rick Sales and RPM Records. You got Sebastian Bach, Bach on the radio in 2024. That's that's all I I I'm I've already won as, as far as I'm concerned. Is it coming out on purple vinyl for me, please? I'm always pushing bands to release their records on collectible purple vinyl for obvious reasons. Well, you know, you could release a purple vinyl or you could release a glow in the dark vinyl but i don't know if that's happening at all oh really <laughs> i wouldn't i wouldn't know anything about that <laughs> all right so 
There's a lot to unpack. Go back. Yes. Go back to Wendy Dio and the induction into the Metal Hall of Fame. Okay. Well, un- unbelievably, unbelievably, on January twenty fourth, twenty twenty four, was the day that Wendy Dio inducted me into the Metal Hall of Fame. On January 24th, 1989, was the release date of the first record that I ever released to the world. That record was titled Skid Row. I was going to ask you about it. It's a big anniversary. <laughs> but but what are the odds? What are the odds that January 24th, 1989, the first album I ever put out comes out, and then January 24th, 2024, I get inducted to the Metal Hall of Fame. I mean, thank you, Metal. Thank you, Hall of Fame. Thank you, Wendy Deal. I just think that's really incredible. Um that that happened to the exact to the exact day. And I appreciate Wendy going to the effort of, you know, telling that story of me, me and Ronnie backstage in Sweden, where she was like, should I call security? And Ronnie's like, no, he's he's a star. Leave him alone. <laughs> <laughs> so that was really an honor. Um, but you know, nothing, nothing, nothing is uh topping. The fact that I'm seeing charts with my new song on the radio, like that's making me dizzy with like a sense of like wonder and and awe. And that combined with me uh, making this vinyl album packaging, um, I'm just really, really creatively fulfilled right now. And we're getting ready to shoot the second video from the record. So we're planning all of that at the same time. So there's really a lot happening right now. Thank, thankfully. I want to talk to you about the video for what have I got to lose? I have a serious question, Mr. Bach. Why are cars in rock videos always so dirty? (laughs) First of all, can I say something that you just didn't even realize? That's a really funny story. Okay. You said, okay, Mr. Bach. I want to talk to you about the video for What Have I Got to Lose. Now, now you've been listening to the song because that's what I say in the chorus. But the title of the song is What Do I Got to Lose? Isn't that what I just said? No, you said What Have I Got to Lose, but you're right. Oh, sorry. The title of the song is not what I say. Why is that? What is that? Exactly. Now, somebody com only one person commented on my Instagram that why do you say what have I got to lose? But the song's called What Do I Got to Lose? <laughs> and I I this is hilarious to me that only one person on Instagram commented that and and I was going to highlight that comment and and reply back because it's it's a hilarious story 
The reason for that is that I've been done this record a while. And, and you know, <laughs> you know, when you're walking around your house singing to yourself, sometimes you fuck the words up, right? Like, <laughs> like Jimi so, Hendrix, excuse me while I yeah. kiss this guy. <laughs> so, so for months and months and months, I've been walking around my house like I couldn't listen to this music because I, I had no, I didn't see a light at the end of the tunnel of when it was coming out. And every time I would listen to it, it makes my heart pound with like energy and aggression. And I wanted to come out and it's finally coming out. But all of those months and months, I was walking around my house going, what do I got to lose? What do I got to say? <laughs> and I and I and I just like the title. What do I got to lose? It probably goes back to my kiss worship. You got nothing to lose. So I was saying that for months. Then when it was time for me to turn the lyrics in, <laughs> I discovered that I've been humming the wrong words walking around the house. <laughs> and then I go, oh shit, I gotta change the title. But then I said, oh, I gotta change it to what have I got to lose? And I went, I went, wait, I go, what have I got to lose? What, what have I got to lose? What do I got to lose? What do I got to lose? Do you remember the show Supergroup? Yeah. With when I was savage animal, it savage animal, it rolls off the tongue. Who wants to be in a band called God War? Nobody. <laughs> savage animal, savage animal. What do I got to lose? What have I got? No, no, no. There was a reason my brain changed the title. And I just left it alone. I, left, I just said, I said, if Rush can make a song called Cygnus X1, it doesn't say that in the chorus. <laughs> so it's a little bit of a progressive approach to the lyrics right there. Okay. So you caught it, that fan caught it, but that's the story. And it's my song. So, <laughs> so fuck everybody. Now, back to the original question. <laughs> Why are cars in rock videos always so dirty? Wow, because they need to be cleaned. By by girls in <laughs> bikinis. Well, here's the story on that. My record company once again said, Sebastian, you're shooting a video. And I didn't even really realize people still shot videos. I, I'm, I'm exaggerating, of course, but I come from the era of 18 and life. I remember you, youth gone wild, monkey business. And I'm like, are you are you guys really telling me that we're going to attempt to compete with those videos, which are iconic videos, some of the best of all time? Uh, I, I have no problem putting I Remember You and I, 18 in Life in the category of some of the best videos ever. So I'm like, I don't really, 
So you're asking me to compete with myself at the age of 55 with the guy who was 19. <laughs> because everybody's going to look at this video next to that video. And I, I'm not going to lie. The night before that video shoot was extremely rough for me trying to relax, trying to fall asleep, saying, okay, at 10 a.m., doesn't matter that you're 55. <laughs> you're going to have to be 19, man. I go, oh, well, if I can pull this off. <laughs> you know, so, so like, I really think that we pulled it off. Um, but you're I, not the one in the bikini. Well, okay, well, I was leading up to that. <laughs> um, so, so when we were presented with this opportunity... I thought about some of the best videos of all time. And both me and my lovely wife, Suzanne, love the White Snake videos with Tawny Katane. How can you on not? The, Classics. On, on, the, on the hood of the car. And that's what we both said. Like, we could be making like a White Snake video. Like, that's what we said. But what, what it ended up being was more like Cool Hand Luke, <laughs> which my friend Matt Sorum said, dude, your video is incredible. Like everybody loves the video. So Matt Sorum texted me, he goes, man, he goes, you're, the song's great, the video's great, band looks killer, Rob Afuso looks killer, but your wife cleaning the car is 100% the car wash scene in Cool Hand Luke with Paul Newman. I go, what? And then Matt, sent me the YouTube clip of that scene and it is exactly the same scene. So go check that scene out on YouTube because it'll make you laugh. We didn't, we didn't intend to make cool hair Luke, but that's, that's what we made. Thank you, Suzanne. I love you for making a real rock video uh, that I will put with the best videos of all time. There you go. Thank you. It's so <laughs> rock and roll that you're like, we're going to make a video of a girl in a bikini at a car wash, washing my car. It might as well be my hottest balls wife. Like why, well, why cast the role? We, we were just coming up with ideas. And I said, Hmm, I go, Hmm, I go, honey, do you think it would be possible like for you to put on a pair of, high heels in a bikini and watch the car um, in the video. And she goes, okay. She's like, again? I go, all right. But you know, my wife was Hawaiian Tropic girl, award-winning Hawaiian Tropic international. She works out every single day. Um, for what? Like, why Why not capture it on video? My dad was a photography teacher in school, as well as an artist and a photographer. And my comment on that would be, what is photography for? Like, <laughs> I want to I film something that I want to see. Like, like, you can all take pictures of your macaroni and cheese and what you had for lunch and post that on Instagram. <laughs> I want to take a picture of Suzanne. Okay. <laughs> what is, what is photography for? I mean, 
Do the kids get weirded out by that, seeing mom hot, washing dad's car in a bikini and high heels? All I can say is that everybody loves the video. We're not doing that every video. This was the first video that I released in 10 years. I, I would say more than that because I never had a budget to do any videos. It was all like live stuff or just three videos in one day kind of thing. Um, so we just went for it, you know, and I, I make art that I like. I make music that I like. I make videos that I like. I hope you like it too. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> Every artist that I have on the show, you talk about your dad being a photographer. I have a theory about music uh-huh. that there's two phases of your musical identity. There is the soundtrack of your childhood, the music that you get exposed to unwillingly by your parents, the cool uncle, your older brothers, the neighbors. And then there's a line in the sand where you hear something and you say, I like that. And from then on, you're different. So what was the soundtrack to your childhood? And then what music did you say, hold on a second, I like that? Man, I, I I hope you got some time on your interview. Hit it. I mean, okay, okay, okay. The first artist I ever fell in love with was Elton John. My dad played the Elton John's greatest hits in, in the car. My aunt and uncle always played it. My, my parents' friends, everybody played that album. But when my dad played Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting, in the car, I must have been six, seven. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. That that song, like, to me, was the heaviest stuff I ever heard. Um, the first record I ever bought was Convoy with my own money. Breaker one, nine, this is a Convoy. <laughs> On the other side of that record, it was a Convoy compilation, like K-Tel record, uh, was Kiss Rock and Roll Night, but it didn't list... The band, uh, the bands, it was like a bootleg something. I don't know what it was. So um, my buddy David Rusk in the third grade brought some Kiss records to school. And I go, I go, that, what? how could you listen to that? I, because I didn't, all I remember is looking at Gene dripping in blood going, that is disgusting. I go, you have to be crazy to listen to something like that. Like, that is terrible. And he goes, have you ever heard their music? And I go, I wouldn't listen to something like that. And he goes, come to my house after school today. I go, well, all right. Like, <laughs> and he brings me over. He's got Kiss stuff on the wall. And he puts the needle down. And it was Kiss Alive, rock and roll all night. And, and he put the, and it was, I want to rock and roll all night. It was the same song that was on the back of Convoy that I kept playing over and over. And I go, wait a minute, that's these guys? That's, I didn't understand how they could look like that, like with blood and fire and all that, and then make a song that sounded like that. That blew my mind. And then Beth, (laughs) I mean, that's that band? That's uh, so that started weirding me out. 
Uh, and I, uh, me and my friends loved Kiss. We were kids, and and that's the way it was in the seventies. Um, Marvel Comics was a big influence, so the fact they had their own comic was completely mind blowing. And then some, my buddy Rick Nesbitt came over one day, and he played me a song, Cygnus X One, which was by Rush, and I thought the record player was like broken or something. <laughs> it's like because the time signature. Of that song, Neil Peart was playing. I couldn't fathom where I, I, I was. I never had heard a beat like that. Kiss had no song like Cygnus X One. <laughs> so then, Cheap Trick was huge at that time when I was a kid uh, in Peterborough, Ontario, Canada. The two radio stations were. CKPT and CHEX, and they played Cheap Trick at Budokan. I Want You to Want Me was the number one song when it came out. I was 10 years old, and that live version of that song flipped me out. And so I really got into Cheap Trick. Isn't it crazy how there are certain bands that have successfully captured their magic live? Because not everybody can yeah, on a live true. album, but Kiss... Frampton, Cheap Trick yeah. found a way to almost make their live records better than the studio albums, which is almost impossible to pull off. Well, for some reason, the part that got me in I Want You to Want Me was I love the whole song. But when it got to the breakdown at the end where the band cuts out and Bunny Carlos goes halftime, I want you to want that part. I could did something to me. I, I don't know what it is, but <laughs> made me feel like the guy in monkey business. Okay. Like that's, I don't know what it is about that halftime breakdown, but every metal band has a halftime breakdown now. And that might've been the first one. <laughs> okay. So then one day my babysitter brought over Van Halen one. Okay. That's a badass babysitter. <laughs> An eruption was like Cygnus X1. I never had heard anything like it. And I asked my babysitter, can I borrow this record? <laughs> she said, okay. Carol Ann Heath, if you're out there still alive, that was your name. You lent me Van Halen 1. And to me, my... Total impression was of Van Halen was that they were a dirty cheap trick. Like, because <laughs> I was so into cheap trick, but cheap trick was clean and Robin Zander looked perfect. And Rick Nielsen had all of his, uh, you know, uh, crazy words on his costumes and guitars that were six necks. And Tom Peterson looked like a model. But Van Halen looked like a bunch of rowdy rock and rollers at, in a bar, like at three in the morning. Like I, I was like, these mo these dudes are not clean at all. <laughs> <laughs> so to me, they were like a real dirty, down and dirty, cheap trick. And you know, the rest is history. The, there's just the start. I could I could go on and on, but those are the real inceptions of my love for rock. So 
you get all of that influence, at some point it goes into your head that you don't just want to be a fan. You want to be one of them. You want to be the musician. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When did you make that decision? And what was the name of the first band? Okay, well, the name of the very first band was at Lakefield College School uh, in uh, Canada. uh, And we called the band Anthem. Um, And we played the school dance at Lakefield College School. And that was the night where before that, I was like the class clown and I got all my friends by making everybody laugh. That's how I got my friends. And I was pretty good at that. But after that night, everybody treated me totally different. All the older people in the school wanted to meet me and talk to me. And I just, I go, I can't even believe this. I I should mention I was the lead soprano in my church choir before I sang rock. So I knew how to sing. But rock was a different style, but I had already been in the choir for years. So that gave me a leg up on knowing how to somewhat sing at that age. Um, Okay, so to cut a long story even longer. (laughs) uh, So I was in bands. Um, I'm going to skip a bunch of stuff here. I got into band Kid Wicked. And then Motley Crue on the Theater of Pain tour played, well, I saw them shout at the devil tour. Um, That's a whole story where I kicked the window in, uh, waiting in line. It's in my book. I don't know if you want to hear all that, but um, so once I was in a band, you know, I loved Motley Crue at that time. Theater of Pain tour in Toronto, Canada. And then the next night they played Ottawa, Canada. And I went to the Toronto show. Me and my buddies decided to drive six hours to see them in Ottawa the next night. And we did. And it was a long drive. And I got there and we got into the venue and I watched Theater of Pain. And for the first time I ever, I've ever, I felt the feeling like I was mad at myself for not being on the stage. I was jealous of the band and I was mad. I was like, I, I gotta fuck, I gotta get myself on this. I got like, like I couldn't enjoy the show for the first, I wasn't like the fan in the front row. I felt like I could do that. And I needed to figure out how to do that immediately because I wasn't happy any longer just being a fan. I wanted, to be on the stage. So it was at that show where I felt like that. How did you realize you could write songs? Is it something you always kind of journaled and put song ideas down? Yeah. I mean, my first band, Kid Wicked, um, you know, we were always writing songs. Uh, The first album uh, that we released was a song called Take a Look at Me, um, which was on a compilation, Maple Metal. I was only 15 years old when we recorded it, and it came out in Canada. But one of the first songs I ever wrote was a ballad called Don't Cry. (laughs) It, It was on the piano, and it went, don't you cry, no, no. Don't you cry, no, no, da, na, 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 don't you cry. And then Guns N' Roses, you know, comes over, don't cry. And I was like, 
well, I wasn't that bad back then. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, anyways, I've always just taken, uh, if I have an idea of a good title, that's usually how I start. And I, I'll ask somebody for a riff, like a guitar player, you got any riffs? And if I hear a good riff, I'll put it with the title that I like. And that's pretty much how I do it. And then I finish it up like a puzzle. Your music career has been a full-blown roller coaster in the last 35 years, going from the height of the 80s and early 90s music to obviously the brick wall that everybody hit when grunge hit the radio. Does it surprise you that, A, vinyl is back bigger than ever, and B, that so many of those massive bands from the 80s are all back bigger than ever now? Well, that doesn't surprise. Well, it surprises me if I think about the mid nineties, but it doesn't surprise me if I think about the late eighties because everybody grows up and all the people that came to all the Skid Row concerts and Bon Jovi concerts, what's the same concert? (laughs) Um, But all those people grow up and, and now they're my age, a little younger, and that's their classic rock, you know? And I really gotta say one thing that I think has been incredibly helpful to all of us is satellite radio. And I say that because every car that is sold in America, at least, comes with satellite radio right there for free for two weeks or whatever. So everybody listens to that and I'm on that like every three or four songs. (laughs) So, so all the little kids in the back seat of mom's car, mom and dad are listening to 18 and life and youth gone wild. And the kids in the back seat are saying, Hey, I like this. (laughs) What is this? Well, classic rock radio in general, Skid Row's all over it. Well, yeah, but but I, I, I what I mean by satellite, it's it's every single car. Like like it blows my mind that you know that's a national radio service that everybody has and everybody can listen to for free for a couple of weeks at least. So that always blows my mind because whenever I get in a car with someone, I go, "What do you want to bet that I'm playing right now?" And people are like, "Come on, man! Like this ain't the '80s." I go, watch this, boom. I remember, (laughs) look at me like, wow. (laughs) And like, what do I got to lose is being played on there. It it never gets old, as you can tell, when a musician hears his song on the radio. It just, it doesn't get old because you kind of look around at the other cars on the highway and you go, I wonder who else is on, on this channel right now, you know? Well, that's what I love about my job is that I get to be the one in the studio playing that music. And as somebody that doesn't have musical ability to be the one in the radio station playing those songs and getting to talk to the artist that made it like that's it doesn't get old for me either. Well, the beautiful thing about terrestrial radio is that it can be locals in some ways, hopefully, like hopefully. You can talk about what's going on around in your city and and that adds a whole nother level to the importance of radio. But to me, there's just less stations now than there used to be. Um, but the ones that are still around, like 
uh, KLOS. And, and I mean, I don't know what station you're with. <laughs> I, I'm on a bunch of different ones. And oh, all of oh. the ones that I'm on, you're on them. That's killer. Well, terrestrial radio will always have a place in my heart because that's what you hear in your city, in your town, that's that's talking about your city and your town. So there's a whole nother level to that. I just miss the days when there were many, 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 many stations that played what they wanted to play, like KNAC in Los Angeles and Z-Rock in Texas. WAF uh, in Boston, where I used to work for years. Yeah. Well, so, you know, you know what I'm talking about, yep. you know. Yeah. Well, over the last 35 years, since you, you just celebrated the anniversary of the debut album from Skid Row, you've done a lot of different things, right? You've had a yeah. band, you've been a solo artist, you were in musicals on stage, you were on The Masked Singer. You seem yeah. like the kind of person that when you get presented an idea, even if it's a little crazy, you're like, fuck it, I'm doing it. Well, I also wrote a best-selling book. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, <laughs> With no ghostwriter, okay? None. I wrote it 100% on my own, and it did extremely well. And I would love to write another book someday, but that's a huge undertaking. Everybody um, that I talked to that's ever written a book said, Geezer Butler told me when he finally turned in the final edit that it was like, a weight lifted off his shoulders yeah. and that he could finally get back to living his life. I spent four years torturing everybody around me. <laughs> like when I was writing my book, I had to have complete silence in the house. I would ask people to leave, like go do something. Like what a dick. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but I couldn't concentrate. Like I couldn't think unless I, I had a quiet place to do it. I know that sounds not rock and roll, but I really wrote the book. So you try to write a book. You'll be kicking everybody out of the house too. <laughs> if somebody takes the book options to make a movie, who's playing you in the movie? Wow. Probably the new singer of Skid Row, I would say. <laughs> Recently, he had a lot of really great things to say about you in an interview saying he had nothing but respect for you and... Wow. So if he wants to put the long wig on and, you know, get into the Sebastian Bach biopic. He's been practicing for years, so. I mean, even even Anthony Kiedis's book recently got optioned and they're going to make his book into a movie. So you never know what's going to happen. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you could end up in a costume on a masked singer reality show competing <laughs> with nobody knowing who you are. <laughs> well, that was really fun. Um, the, the show was about singing. I, you know, I, obviously it's about the uh, outfits and the crazy over the top reactions of the panel. But uh, when you put that costume on, it's very isolating and very claustrophobic. And then you got to walk out on that stage and you got to sing. So the greatest thing for me about that show was that they let me pick the songs that I was going to sing. And I picked Elton John, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. And then we did a Harry Potter episode and they said, "What do you know any songs 
about magic. And I, I go, well, how about magic? <laughs> and I've always loved 70s radio hit songs. So that song by Pilot, Magic, I thought would be perfect for Magic Night. And I am so proud of my vocal performance in that song. You can watch it on Hulu. Um, but I, it's a very high vocal range in that song. And, and I just feel like I, I did it a, a good job singing that. And then I did Kiss, so I Was Made for Loving You, um, which actually is not really a, a song that I would pick to sing, but I, they said, would you do that? I go, of course, because I'm a Kiss freak. But what I did is I, um, if you listen to it, I, I sang half the verses in Paul's original melody and then half of them I sang in, in the harmony that's way in the back, but I alternated and go check it out on Hulu. I'm, I'm proud of my vocal performance that I did because I tried to reinvent the songs the way Sebastian would sing them. And then there's also Lady Gaga Monster that I sang, which I think I gave Lady Gaga a little run for her Gaga. <laughs> The secrecy behind that show is epic. Were you allowed to tell your wife or anybody that it was you on the show? I only was allowed to tell my wife and my wife had to sign a non-disclosure agreement, a legally binding legal form, an NDA. My wife couldn't tell anyone. Uh, I couldn't tell my mom who's 82 years old in Canada. I couldn't tell my kids because they would go to school and tell their friends. <laughs> so no, I couldn't tell anybody. And um, they have they have the performers there wear like dark hoodies and gloves and shades and um, completely covered your skin. You can't tell whether you're white or black or Caucasian or whatever, or Indonesian or whatever. You can't tell because you're completely covered. And then the producers specifically said to me, they said, Sebastian, you can't talk to anyone, like the crew or anything. I go, why? They go, because your speaking voice is so identifiable. Nobody talks with your voice. <laughs> I go, and I've heard that many times. So I, I was under strict uh, instruction to shut the F up. <laughs> There's your headline for this interview. <laughs> I have some questions that I ask everybody that comes on the show that I got to ask you before I let you go. Okay. Speaking of the aforementioned geezer Butler, I preface this question every time blame geezer. When I talk to uh -huh. him, he let it slip that he's got 13 cats and five dogs. And wow. when, when I asked him how the hell he keeps track of all the names, he said he names all his pets after gangster rappers, which <laughs> led me to rolling on the floor. So now I ask every musician that comes on the show the geezer question, which is, what do you have for pets and where did you come up with the names for them? Mia! Come here, come on. Come on. Ladies and gentlemen, the star of my cameos. Oh, we're going to do this a is, dog meet and greet. Hold on. This is the star of my cameos. His name is Neil. This is and this is Wednesday. We, um, 
Come here, Buck. He's a good dog. Come here. He is a good dog. What's a dog doing? What's a dog to do? Say hi. This is Wednesday. Hi, Wednesday. How are you? <laughs> this is Neil. So we got Neil the week that Neil Peart died. Um, Neil, come here. And the weirdest thing, come here, right here. Come on, good dog. He's a good dog. Oh, he's crawling behind me. Hey, buddy. The thing is, they say that dogs start to look like their owners. I think Neil, my dog, kind of looks like Neil Peart. <laughs> See, what do you think? See? Uh, maybe. Sure, why not? See, I knew you'd have a good answer to that question. I knew it. Well, and I also love Neil Young. So Neil Young was one of my inspirations to move to California and then, you know, the West Coast. And uh, so Neil is named after Neil Young and Neil Peart. <laughs> You're living in Vegas, but obviously with a new record coming out, you're going to hit the road again. When you're out on tour and you stop in the middle of the night at a truck stop in the tour bus, what are you going into the truck stop? What's the weirdest thing you ever bought? What What's like your guilty pleasure that you go in? And I'll preface it by saying Justin Chancellor from the aforementioned tool told me that his wife bought him a complete suit of armor at a truck stop in the United States and he wore it on his birthday. So there's wow. always a weird story about what you guys are tracking down in a truck stop. Well, you know, as you get older, it's the simple things in life. And I'm always looking for a pair of footwear that are very comfy. And I remember one time in New Mexico at a truck stop, they had these like crocs that were like from the old Indian times that were made out of this weird material that I never saw ever again that felt so good on my feet. Um, <laughs> I don't know what the heck they were, but I wore them for years and then I lost them and I wish I knew what the heck they were. They, they were the, this Native American kind of really thick, I don't know what the heck it was. Um, but one of my weaknesses is cases, cases. Like if I go to a truck stop and I see like the row of like wallets and there's like some crazy cool uh, wallet with a chain that has all these compartments or, you know, places to put things. Or like if, I remember being in Mexico on tour and pulling over the side of the road and this guy was selling like leather uh, like male murses, you know, like a, a murse, a purse for man, like leather cases. Um, I love uh, like Andrew Dice Clay. When I hang out with him, he has this leather kind of thing that he straps onto his arms with all these pockets. And I'm like, where'd you get that? <laughs> I'm into like cases. Uh oh, for my 50th birthday, Ricky Rocket of Poison bought me a special backpack that has like a refrigerated area for a bottle of red wine. So I was like, what? Like a special compartment in the backpack to keep your wine chilled. So one time me and my wife, Suzanne, got on an ATV when we lived in Thousand Oaks with the backpack and a bottle of wine. We took the ATV like to the top of this mountain and sat down and watched the sunset and 
pulled out and, and it has like a like a thing that goes like this with a little table and little glasses of wine and cut some cheese and watch the sunset go down. And so I like cases. Thank you, Ricky Rocket. Thank you, uh, that dude on the side of the road in Mexico. Um, yeah, I like cases. <laughs> I don't know if that's boring, but. <laughs> and I got to ask you the songwriting question because as I said before, I'm such a huge fan of music, but I don't have the ability to myself. Obviously, you've heard my voice. I can't sing and I can't write songs. I've tried. So I'm so envious of the craft of writing songs. Mm -hmm. This is not a favorite song question, but can you give me an example of a song you think is perfectly crafted, a perfectly written song that you wish you wrote yourself, but you got to break it down as to why you think it's so brilliant? And it can be any artist, any genre, that doesn't matter. Well, there's many, there's so many that I could choose, but like when you say, could you give me an example of, of a well-crafted song that's your favorite song? That might be two different things. That's what I mean, yeah. This is about like, the structure and the craft. Like one of my favorite Kiss albums is Hotter Than Hell. And I can't tell you how many times I read online, I would love this record, but I hate the production. I go, but, but that's what makes the album. I, like, it sounds like hell. It's called Hotter Than Hell. Perfect. But, but I wouldn't list that as perfectly crafted because it's not good production, but I, neither is Motorhead, you know, and I love Motorhead. If you say what's, the most well-crafted song and album, I gotta say, th this might bore you, but it's the 45 RPM vinyl version, original master recording, special original master uh, reissue of Donald Fagan, The Nightfly. And the song that I say is well-crafted is called IGY. It's the first song on the record. It's that song that goes, what a beautiful world this will be. Bad and now, what a glorious time to be free. When I want to impress somebody with my stereo, that's what I put on. And no, people's jaws hit the floor in my living room when they hear how well crafted this song is. And guess who mastered it? Could it be Robert Ludwig? Could it be? Oh, whoa, there's his name again on the back of this record. And when I did my album, I got to speak to him on the phone. I actually wanted to go interview him about his whole career and make a video and stuff with him, but his wife's like, he's not into that. He, he, he will, he'll, he will do your record though. I go, okay, fine. That's enough. He goes, he's, he didn't want to do any interviews or anything. But, um, what I, he said, he will talk to you on the phone. And I was all freaked out. And, and so we sent him the record. He listed, he goes, what do you, what do you want to do here? I go, I just want, you know, the Robert Ludwig mastered sound. And he goes, okay. He goes, well, what are you looking for? I go, well, one of my favorite songs ever is The Nightfly by Donald Fagan. I go, you think you can make my record sound like The Nightfly by Donald Fagan? And he goes, no. 
And we both started laughing on the phone. I started laughing. He goes, Sebastian, your record is not the Nightfly by Donald Fagan. He goes, it's incredible. It rocks. It's hard, but that's. <laughs> so... I thought that was really funny. Uh, but guess what? Listen to the song. What do I got to lose? And in a weird, weird way. To me, it is like the Nightfly. <laughs> <laughs> be, 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 because I love it and it sounds exactly the way I want it to sound and that's what I meant so I didn't mean make it sound like that. I meant make it sound as good as it can and it does and the whole record is going to blow your mind with the sound of it and I guarantee you that so there can you, you give me any other dirt on the album before I let you go? Any other cameo appearances? Any other co-writers? Wow. Well, I don't know if I'm allowed to, but but the next video we're shooting, I co-wrote with someone that I have co-written with on the last three records. So there's a clue. Okay. There's, there's a musician that's uh, on the album. He plays on the album, and this is the third album in a row that we've done together. And I, I, I think I can say that for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm gonna be in Vegas at the end of February, and okay. I'm gonna be out at all the rock clubs, going to a bunch of shows. So I hope I bump into you at the bar. Right on. Well, if you're going to Vamped, there's a very good chance you can see me. That's my favorite place, next to the Rainbow. It's Rainbow in LA and Vamped in Vegas. Those are. Those are our homes away from home. Well, then I hope I bump into you at the bar. I can't wait to hear the rest of the record. Thank and you. I can't wait to hear you pull it all off live when you finally right get on, on Carrie. It- well, I hope I can. I, I haven't tried yet. So fingers crossed on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Thank you, Mistress Carrie. I really appreciate it. We'll talk Thank to you, you soon. Okay. Have a good one. Have Thanks. a good weekend. You too. Bye-bye. There he is, the one and only Sebastian Bach. His new single, What Do I Got to Lose, is out now, and you can hear it on the corresponding playlist for this episode. I make a playlist for every episode of the Mistress Carrie podcast that features all of my guest music and all the songs and artists that we referenced in the interview. You'll also find the link to check out that video and that very dirty car. Plus, you'll find all of Sebastian Box links and all of my links as well. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to like, follow, and subscribe to the Mistress Carrie podcast. New full-length episodes come out every Wednesday. Plus, every weekday, you get the sit rep. All of your rock news, music headlines, and entertainment updates in around five minutes. And you never know when we're going to release a bonus episode. You can join me live every Tuesday night at 8.30 Eastern for my video show, Cocktails in the War Room. And of course, you can always find me on the radio. Get the details on all that and more at MistressCarrie.com. The Mistress Carrie Podcast, a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 